0: The Toby Gribbin Show. Highlights.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems.
0: The Doctor of Digital Smith is a passionate rock enthusiast and the author of On Track, Ian Hunter a captivating exploration that unveils the untold stories behind Ian Hunter's songs offering a front front row seat to the legendary Mott the Hoople frontman's musical legacy and Mick is with us here How are you today?
2: I am doing fantastic I hope you're doing well yourself
0: Oh yes I am, thank you so what was it that inspired you to write this book and dive, you know, into that universe of Ian Hunter's solo songs?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's probably an easy answer because like <laughs> a lot of people, what was your first rock concert? What was the first live gig you've ever seen? Well, that's what happened. That was September 14th, 1973. So a lot wow. of us had heard about Moth the Hoople yeah. and knew about them because they're from across the pond. But there I am in the suburbs of Los Angeles and I got a ride from a buddy of mine who was too young to drive. We got to go to Hollywood. So that was kind of an unusual thing. Went to the Hollywood Palladium and these guys just blew me off the stage. They were just fantastic and I thought, oh my gosh, you know who are these guys? Yeah. And a lot of people had commented about Mott Hoople that they were a great live band. They couldn't quite get the hits and there were some hits coming but they were. They were a phenomenal live band and so the lead singer and the chief songwriter Ian Hunter from that point on was just I stayed a lifelong fan. So that's what inspired me. I've been listening to them for 50 years and I thought you know might as well write a book about it.
0: And seeing as though it was Mott the Hoople that you were a big fan of why did you decide to explore um, just Ian Hunter I suppose and as well just his solo stuff.
2: Well it was because and the way it came about it's actually a British publisher, Sonic mm-hmm. Bond Publishing and there was a book out on Motha Hoople and I sent a book proposal to the publisher and I said hey has anybody written a book on Ian Hunter's solo career since he's been recording since 1975 and he's recording up until the present and he's only 84 years young so he's got a lot of time to go and I said look he's got a very long record career by himself as a solo has anybody done that he said no and I said well I'm the guy book proposal I said yeah let's let's sign on a dotted line and wrote the book
0: yeah and what do you think sets his solo work apart from his contributions to Mock the Hoople
2: well I think it's part of the way the band actually broke up so Mm. they actually had broken up and didn't know that actually David Bowie was a fan. He wasn't quite Bowie yet, but the bass player over in Watts called up Bowie and said, hey, you know, the band broke up and, you know, do you need a bass player? And apparently Bowie was horrified. He They didn't know, but he was a big fan of the band. He said, no, wait, you guys can't break up. Come over to the flat, listen to this song. I got a song for you. So sure enough, they listen and they go, they can't believe that Bowie was giving them all the young dudes to record and that became a very iconic song and it did have a hit with it and then they were honoluchi boogie roll away the stone all the way from memphis and they had a string of hits But I think the band was not really into the glam image and certainly Mick Rouse wasn't. He left to form Bad Company, which is just a basic hard rock band and I think that's what kind of led to the breakup of the band in the first place.
0: Yeah. Now your book promises to unlock the secrets behind every lyric, riff and melody of Ian Hunter's solo catalogue. So uh, are there any particular secrets that you can share with us that you uncovered while writing? the book
2: well i can tell you a favorite one because yes Mm -hmm. there was something about his songs because he makes a lot of references so it's not intellectual nothing in rock is intellectual except maybe progressive rock but definitely intelligent and there's a lot of references in there to politics and god the nature of the universe nations england america and all these things i said you know I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people who, like myself, wanted to know what these actual references were and what they're all about. So that's why I looked up them. And I'll tell you, there's one thing that's my favorite story is actually I tracked down the original song that Ian Hunter got songwriting credit on. And it's unusual because it's actually under his actual real name. His real name is Ian Hunter Patterson. First 45, he got songwriting credit on. It's Patterson. He wrote it in 1967, tracked it down, and I had him sign it. I was at a gig at Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I said, hey, would you mind signing this? Because he signed some things over the years for me. And he looks at it and he goes, well, what's this? And I explained <laughs> it to him. And I said, well, this is the first 45. And there's song, first song you got songwriting credit on. And he goes, well, I don't even have this. So I thought, <laughs> it crossed my mind. I go, hold on. I was like, I hope he's not going to ask me for it, which he did. But he was just kind enough. He just signed it. So yeah, I have a copy wow. of it. And there's a picture of it in the book as well.
0: That's incredible. Uh, and how did you you know actually go about um dissecting and analyzing all the songs in the book
2: yeah i think there's hunter is unusual in one sense and that a lot of songwriters are sort of cagey about what their songs mean right And you yeah. ask them well, what does this mean and what's this reference and they go well you know you can interpret it any way you want but <laughs> hunter has been actually fairly generous about this and has spoken about a lot of his songs and i think one of the favorite things that he says about it it's like well i think it's a pretty decent song but Well, some of them, they'll say, nah, it was really daft. (laughs) So it's like, well, that's very honest. I mean, that's really unusual for an artist. But, you know, when I started looking at it, I tried to find every possible reference. So there are some things that Hunter himself has read. There's a two-volume biography that's an authorized biography that was also a really good source by Campbell Devine. And we had Adrian Perkins, who during the 80s, when we couldn't find out much was going on, he did a lot of work online. So there are several books, there are several things. And and then, frankly, to be honest, I've just had to speculate because I have no idea. (laughs) But I'm giving him my two cents just as a lifelong fan. And this is what I think. And, you know, Mm. just my opinion, my two cents.
0: Yeah. Uh, And has Ian Hunter been involved in the book in any kind of direct sense? Because obviously you've met him in the past. I mean, is he uh, aware of the book?
2: I'm not sure. So I said, you know, I usually make a joke and people say, how much has he had an input? Well, he wrote the songs or his songs. (laughs) so He obviously knows what they're all about. And I did ask at one time, because I've got one of my podcasts, I said, you know, would you like to come on? I'd like to interview. So mm-hmm. he said it wasn't an appropriate time. So I'm going to go back and say again, you know, well, here, <laughs> let's talk about some of these things and maybe you can clarify some things or, you know, dispel some rumors that people have had or, you know, just say something about them. And it'll be great because I did write a novel before called Burning America mm-hmm. and Ian was kind enough. I quoted some of the lyrics in the, in the book itself. So I said, you know, I really appreciate because he's been a big part of my life in a lot of ways and i'd like to have more contact and like you say i've been fortunate enough to go a lot of gigs he signed some memorabilia and things like that for me as well
0: yeah Uh, and you're writing this book obviously as a as a big fan so he would have nothing to fear by helping you out you know he'd come out well out of it
2: no i i hope so because (laughs) you know my whole point is that i have appreciated his work and his Mm. creativity and his artistry so It's not to be critical in any sense. I mean, that's why I'm saying some of the songs he doesn't like. I'm thinking, well, I think they're pretty good songs. (laughs) You wrote the thing. Why didn't you like it? But when he's asked about what is his favorite song, he kind of says, well, they're like your children. I mean, you can't pick favorites. So. Mm. There are some things that he's been very, you know, like I think brutally honest. You know, the Mm -hmm. song he recorded, there's some songs that he said himself. I don't even remember recording it. I don't remember who was on the track. I mean, there's really unusual things, but it also is the fact that he's recorded for 50 years as a solo artist and four years before that with Mata Hoople. So there's a lot to remember.
0: Yeah. And as I mentioned, the book, you know, reveals the secrets behind every lyric, riff and melody. Does that mean that you've managed to include all the
2: songs that is correct and that's well, why i'm saying it's uh it's it's well i've been listening to them for 50 years i put it that way right yeah. so but that's part of the series as well. What the publisher does is he has a series on all kinds of musical artists, and that is every single track, every single album I've made some comment on. And it says if you want to know like one particular song and on one album that's been frustrating you and wanted to know what was that all about, well, I hope yeah. you got the answers in the book there.
0: Absolutely. Now, obviously, you've um, been fortunate to see Mott the Hoople. So, for those who maybe haven't, how did you go about capturing that kind of rock star charisma um in your writing to make readers feel like they were front row attendees at some kind of concert
2: yeah and i think what i'm trying to do is to say well because i've seen the band uh, rant band which is a more recent band he's been working mm. with from roughly around 2000 or so i've seen them dozens of times like i said definitely a fan i've seen them three nights in a row on the east yeah. coast three nights in a row on the west coast so I'm six times in one month. So, I mean, what I'm trying to do is to say for other people I that it's that kind of excitement just knowing that if you're ever been to well, virtually any sort of concert or any sports event anywhere, there's a large crowd of people, you know, to kind of get so involved in the music and so curious on what this possibly could be about. And I hope that's the kind of sense that people get from it, because I am going through all the songs, everything he's ever released. And then there's some live albums along the way, too. So, I mean, you know, when you're in a live concert, there's you know, some songs that he's done and recorded with different people over the years, especially like people like Mick Ronson. We unfortunately lost him at a very young age. It was- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices he's a guitarist so there's people like that and also the bands have been really good he's worked with some really phenomenal musicians over the years
0: yeah uh, and with live performances it's an interesting point because obviously you do look into the lyrics riffs and melodies and every time a song is performed they could decide it to do it could decide to do it maybe slightly differently so did that yeah. ever prompt you to you know look into individual performances as well
2: yeah and I think it's a good question because this is what I one of the things I appreciate about Hunter as an artist so Mm -hmm. of course I like what he does and some things take a little bit of time to grasp and understand and really appreciate but this is why I think one of the reasons he's so interesting as an artist so he records strings attached in 2002 he takes a small orchestra, it's a 14 piece band that he's not a classical musician, obviously he's a rocker, yeah. but then he records an entire album called strings attached with them. So then what does he do? He takes almost the exact same set list, and then releases a live album with is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You're going, well, hold on a minute. I mean, you know, you went from having a small orchestra and orchestration behind you, and then a full-on rock band with some really leading guitarists, such as from Queen and Mick Ralphs from Old oh, Mott the Hoople Band. So, right. I mean, what you're finding is that He doesn't look back, and I think that's what I appreciate of him. He's always pushing the limits of creativity, and it also means that it's very fresh, because every performance, like I say, you see him one, two, three nights in a row, and yet every performance does have its own unique quality.
0: Absolutely. And he's also known for his storytelling prowess within his songwriting. So what were the most... You know, intriguing stories or inspirations behind the lyrics that you've discovered while writing the book?
2: Well, it's one of those things that, you know, when I think about him as an artist, he talks about yeah. really extraordinarily personal things. So he talks yeah. about not getting along well with his father. So his father was a policeman. He worked for the Secret Service in England. And yet then he has a son who's a complete rocker, who's a completely different. So there was some clash. It was a generation gap there. So then he writes a song called Ships, which was also then later recorded by Barry Manilow, it was actually mm-hmm. his last big hit. So Ian has been asked about, well, how did you feel about Barry Manilow recording your song? They're obviously two different artists, right? Yeah. He said, well, you know, I made a few bob from it, so who's going <laughs> to complain, right? It's Barry Manilow. He still made money from it. Mm. But then he also wrote another song, which is a follow-up on the same theme on the last album that he's released, Defiance Part One, It's No Hard Feelings about his relationship with his father and i'm like my gosh i mean it's so emotional and it's so gripping that it's hard to believe that a person could be that upfront with their honest feelings towards his father and especially having such a very difficult relationship with his father but the name of the song is no hard feelings it's like wow how do you how do you get past this really troubling relationship you have with a close family member such as a father but apparently he's worked it out
0: yeah and as well as all the musical analysis that's in the book, you also include anecdotes and stories. So do you have any particular favourite anecdotes about Ian Hunter or his music that you came across during your research?
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things, I just having basically a, a chat. I was living in Pennsylvania, yeah. and he had a gig in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, and it was really interesting because it's one of those times we actually had a, a real conversation and it was telling him about some things that were local musical interest but then he also kind of talked about some of the things that was he was sort of getting to be that pop star which he didn't really care about but people yeah. got to know him so he gets called up by The the Who, and he gets called up by Keith Moon. He says, hey, you know, let's hang out. So we go, okay. They mm-hmm. got a bunch of champagne, and where did they go? They went over to Frank Zappa's house. Wow. So they're listening to Frank Zappa's music, and, you know, again, Frank is a very interesting character. So his music, a little avant-garde, and he was asking me, like, well, what would you think of my music? And he's like, well, you know, it's hard to say. It's like it's <laughs> yeah. not the same style, but there he is. He's with the stars, right? He's with Keith yeah. Moon and Frank. Zappa and those people like that. So it's kind of interesting to see what goes on backstage. And, you know, there were songs that he actually had had some sort of conversation with Bruce Springsteen and was going to have bruce sing on one of his songs and wow. he challenged mick ronson to said look if you don't sing this song i'm going to get springsteen so ronson <laughs> recorded it vocal too so it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see what goes on behind the scenes like i tell people i don't know like do they, these guys have each other's numbers i mean do they hang out mm-hmm. do they have barbecues together i don't know but they do have some sort of connection i guess when you get to a certain level
0: absolutely now for those who may be just discovering Ian Hunter's solo work, where do you recommend they start?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. It's a hard <laughs> question to answer, but... Yeah. I look at his his career as at three basic points. So Mm. if you remember the band originally, the original band, Mott the Hoople, you can start with some of the hits, especially something like All the Young Dudes, which was a big hit for Mott. Mm. Then you can look through his solo career, especially a time that he spent with Rono Mick Ronson, because they were on and off for about 20 years or so. So you're never alone with the schizophrenic. They had a live album together. Mm. But then it's also very interesting, I think, from Ian's point of view as a, a songwriter, I think his third part of his career is probably the most fascinating because I think he's writing better songs than he ever has done before. He's got a terrific band with the Rant Band and he's also then got a terrific producer as well. So some of his more recent work, Stranded in Reality, you got When I'm President, got Man Overboard. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of, of albums now that he's been coming out in his solo time, but I think it's also the combination of being able to have a really good producer and also having a great band behind him
0: yeah and do you hope that your book ian hunter um on track will kind of help um people who are new to ian hunter's solo stuff uh, you know give them that information to have a listen to all his stuff
2: yeah and i think that's kind of the idea i think if you're looking at people who enjoy the genre of music so i mean you can put them in the classic rock category But I think also, though, it's interesting about him is that he was there at the very, very earliest era of rock and roll, given Mm -hmm. his age. So he saw people like the governor Little Richard. He really liked Jerry Lee Lewis. He saw Sam Cooke. He saw Buddy Holly. He saw all those early rockers. And then he's been around himself and he's been fortunate enough to be around and still recording later in his life. And that's what I think it's an introduction to a person who I would consider the person who should get the lifetime achievement award in rock for so many years and so many Mm. different styles, and also being able to have a whole good collection. So last album that's out, Defiance Part One, he's got Ringo Starr on it. He's got Jeff Beck. He's got Todd Rundgren. He's got Axl Rose. I mean, he's got this incredible group of musicians. And I think when you see the peers starting to jump on his record, I think that tells you something about what how his peers and other fellow musicians feel about him and his work.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And what do you think his legacy will be, uh, you know, in rock history?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's again, it's one of those things that people sort of bandy about. So Mm. there has been some discussion. Shouldn't he be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I think I can't speak for him, but I think he's spoken about this and he realizes that, it's not the kind of place that you would think it is that everybody who's deserving gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though one of the hits that Ian wrote was Cleveland Rocks. I know it's a pretty iconic song for Cleveland but the writers Mm -hmm. and the people in the business who are really choosing folks who go in there are really from New York or Los Angeles so they're more corporate entertainment types rather than Mm -hmm. really rock musician fans but I think his legacy will live on regardless of being in there or not because I think he's been around for so long and he's done such high quality work and especially what I think is interesting after Rano's death in the 90s he also sort of said you know look I kind of have to get off my duff here and get back to business and that's where i think this third part of his career has just been an incredible string with things like the rant album and from that point on forming the rant band also is part of his contribution that's why i say it's probably best to say lifetime achievement award because no one has been around in rock as it's a you know it's a very superficial kind of music to begin with and be honest Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. pop music but for a person to be around for that long and has such high quality records, I think that's his achievement.
0: Absolutely. Well, what's coming up for you? Are there any other projects or books on the horizon that we can keep an eye out for?
2: Well, yes, I hope so, because I had some other things in mind, but I had this <laughs> opportunity to write the book on track Ian Hunters, so and that's why I, I kind of disturbed, in a way, what I had planned. But actually, I have two other books, and in process. And based on the novel, Burning America, I wrote a screenplay, which I also want to get that produced. I've also got two other books in mind, one on history, because actually that's my background. I am a trained historian. And then also on post-pandemic, the work-life balance. So I got two books that I still have in mind, one on history and one about company and working life. Excellent.
0: Well, in the meantime, where are all the places that we're going to be able to find this book on track? Ian Hunter.
2: Well, like anything, it's everything's on Amazon. So both yes. the books I mentioned, Burning America and On Track, Ian Hunter, are available on Amazon. And anywhere and wants to get a hold of me, I'm pretty easy to find because I've got a couple podcasts. And if you look up the Doctor of Digital, I'm going to pop up somewhere because that's my nom de plume.
0: Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show.
2: I thank you very much for the opportunity. It was awesome and I'm a real fan and I appreciate the conversation a great deal. Thank you much.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey. yeah. Hey. Hey.
0: The throbbing pulse of sound. sound, sound. The Toby Gribbon Show.